We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him uh, Gandalf. Because like he's never early or late, he's always <laughs> at the right time. And my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again, I'm here to stay. Hello and welcome to the Uncontested podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I'm the Thunder Mob, Jacob Niffin. Today, I am joined by, we got Kamiar Morabian over there. Hey, that's me. That is you. We got Taylor Peterson. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest NFL player of all time. That is a hot take and you're incorrect because it's Baker Mayfield. <laughs> uh, we have Nick Crane. Let's go Cowboys. Have they played yet today? I don't think they played yet. They're playing right, right now. Right They're now. playing right now. And we have a very special guest with us today. We're super excited. Uh, former NBA guard, NBA champion, currently covering the Thunder for FS Oklahoma. He's on NBA radio. He's everybody's favorite Thunder personality, Antonio Daniels. What up, fellas? How are you doing, man? You good? I'm fantastic. Awesome. Hey, we really appreciate you coming out today, man. Thank you guys we, for having me, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so we have Thunder Media Day coming tomorrow. Training camp starts in two days. So the season is finally here. We've been scratching trying to find something to talk about over the summer. Season's finally here, though. We finally have basketball. So with Antonio today, we've got some questions for you, man. We're going to start off talking a little bit about your career. Then okay. we'll move into the Thunder after that. Okay. Um, 
I think it's fair to say this is the first time any of us have uh, actually got a sit-down conversation with a former player before. So we have uh, we're all huge basketball junkies, and we want we want to get some insight from you. Okay. Okay. You got to make the questions good, though. Okay. We'll, you we'll make them good. We'll we'll do what we can. I don't know. I <laughs> I can carry the load. These idiots. We'll we'll see. Wow. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, Tell me how you really feel. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll start generic because it just uh, a, a general question about you know being an NBA player. So being drafted fourth overall. What was it like going through the draft process, and what, what was that whole process like as a whole? Um, it was different, I guess is the easiest way to put it, is because my junior year in college, I was expecting to go overseas somewhere. And um, February 8th, 1996, which is the day my brother passed away, my older brother who was at the University of Dayton, he passed away. That's when everything sort of changed for me. That, that changed my mentality, that changed my approach, that changed my dedication and my work ethic. So. From that day forth, it's like everything just changed. When I started off my my um, senior year, I was ranked, I don't know what it was, like 130th best senior. And every year, my my college coach, Jim Laranega, who's now the head coach at the University of Miami, every week he used to bring the updated NBA thing to me. So it was like, okay, I was 130. Then next week I was 100. Then I was 80. Then I moved to the second round. Then I was mid-second round. Then I was mid-first round. Then, you know, it just slowly but surely especially coming from a mid-major university you know you don't get drafted four overall from bowling green state university yeah you know but um it was a blessing and um i enjoyed the time i enjoyed the process um made great friends you know me and tim were roommates tim duncan were roommates at the rookie transition program um and now we are what, 18 20 years later we're still really good friends so um I, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. What was it like signing that first contract? Ooh wee! <laughs> you know, I'm from the inner city of Columbus, Ohio. You know, um, I grew up with a lot of nothing. Uh, I had the hardest working mother in the world. I come from um, a single mom who raised me, my two older brother. I mean, my my two older sisters and my older brother. And um, when I signed my first contract, I believe it was for 8.4 million dollars. My first deal. Um, first thing I did is I told my mom, you get the house you want, you get the car you want, you have sacrificed so much for us, now it's time for us to give back to you. That's awesome. That is really awesome. That is cool. Um, so talking about that first contract, uh -huh. you play out one year, and then you get traded to San Antonio. Uh -huh. Yeah. So you go through that first year actually in the league, and then how did you find out you were getting traded? Like, what, what, what was that like? And what's going through your head at that time? I'll tell you the crazy thing. Is I found out I got traded um, by Tim Duncan. <laughs> so I, I do a basketball camp in Vancouver. I fly home back to Columbus. As soon as I land home from Colum the day of the draft, as a matter of fact, the day of the draft, and I believe they drafted Mike Bibby, uh, the day of the draft, I landed in Columbus, go to my mom's house, and the phone rings. And it was Tim Duncan. So I answered the phone, and my mom's like, it's, it's Tim. And I'm like, Tim who? <laughs> you know? And she's like, uh, I, I don't know. So I pick up the phone, and he says, hey, you ready to come down here and play with me? And I'm like, okay. Who are you, and what do you want? He's like, oh, man, this is, this is Tim. You know, this is Tim Duncan. I'm like, oh, wh what do you mean come play with you? You about to get traded to San Antonio. Okay, so I end up getting traded to San Antonio, and then I fired my agent right after that because the fact that Tim <laughs> knew that I was getting traded to San Antonio before me or my agent did was a problem. Wow. Yeah, so, fair. like, 
you get that call from Tim, are you like, did you believe him at first, or did you oh, like yeah, call yeah, him out yeah, on his yeah. BS? No, no, no. You don't. That's not something you joke around about. You yeah. joke around about a whole lot of things, but you don't joke around with a 19 and 63 team getting traded from that team to the best team in the league. We're 19 and 63 in Vancouver. Wow. We were not a very good basketball team to say the least. So when Tim Duncan, who just won Rookie of the Year, calls you and tells you you have an opportunity to play with him, David Robinson, Avery Johnson, Sean Elliott, and those guys, yeah. after coming off a 19-63 season, so my bag, I couldn't pack my bags fast so enough. Safe, wow. safe to say you're excited. A little bit. That's just awesome. A touch. That's I mean, awesome. these days you'd find out via Twitter, Shams right. or <laughs> right. Wash. But, but I, I tell you what, though, and, and this shows how far the league has come. My rookie year, I came in the locker room at the trade deadline, and two guys found out they got traded because it was written on the chalkboard. Oh, my gosh. Just to let you know how old that is, I said chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? Not dry erase. Right, not dry erase. A chalkboard. So it said, name, name, you have been traded to the Sacramento Kings. And oh. all that was in their locker was two big hefty bags. Oh, my gosh. That was my first kind of experience as to, wow, so this is what the NBA is about. Yeah, that's insane. And that's where you hear, like, some of these players these days that say that, you know, the NBA is a business. And you can't blame these guys. For it is a business. Right. It is. And the thing is, it's tough for fans to understand that side of it. Right. You know, um, it doesn't last forever. You're not going to play forever. You get what you can, why you can, and you do what's best for you and your family. That's what you have to do. And I know it's not a, a popular decision a lot of the time, you know, um, but you have to do what you feel is in your best interest. Because like we were talking prior to coming on, when it's the other way, no one cares. You know, when you get hurt and you can play anymore, no one cares anymore. They just move on to the next star. Yeah. You know, right. we talked about Brandon Roy and the fact that he played and he moved on and he got hurt and he could play anymore. Now Portland fans are more concerned with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Yep. You know, yep. Isaiah Thomas, he laid his heart on the line in Boston. Now they don't care about Isaiah Thomas yep. anymore. They're worried about Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and those guys. So it, it just, you have to approach it. You have to approach it like a business because it is a business. Yeah. Anytime there's money involved, it's business involved as well. And I think it's an interesting balance where fans get mad at players when they look at it as a business. For sure. But they don't get mad when their front office looks at it as a business. I, man. And, and I think you Preach. kind of – you touched on this earlier. You know, it's it's that fan bias, that fans can't see see the fan team for what it is. It excuse reality. Yeah. It does. excuse reality. And when a player does what's in his best interest, he's vilified for it. But when an organization does what's in their best interest, it's a business. Yep. It's never a business when a player does what he wants to do. It's only exactly. a business when an organization does it. And the fact of the matter is, it's a business for both sides. Yeah. The organization looks at it as a business, and players should look at it as a business as well. Definitely, definitely. So you mentioned Tim, Timmy D. Mm -hmm. I uh, have a question down here a little further. I'm going to go ahead and bring it up since you mentioned Tim. What's something about Tim Duncan that most people don't understand? He's, one of, the, he's one of the funniest people. dudes you will ever meet in your life. Really? Because he's so yes. quiet. And yes. So I was wondering. I, I, people will never grasp the sense of humor that Tim Duncan has because publicly he's not that guy. Right. And he, he I, I don't know if he does that purposely, but he is not that guy publicly. Privately, he is the one of the funniest guys you will ever meet in your life. That's so cool. Yeah, That's he's. Really I feel cool. like as a as a fan outside of like unless you're a San Antonio fan and know him, he's portrayed as like that quiet guy that's just kind of bland. And he is quiet. He is very quiet, like publicly, extremely quiet. But if he was here right now with us, we would all be cracking up. <laughs> that's nice. awesome. We would all be cracking up. That that's awesome. his, That's the one thing that people don't because he doesn't really put that out there like that. Yeah. You know, he's very guarded publicly, but 
you know, he's come and he's played at my, my basketball camp numerous times. And if you see him at my camp interacting with the kids or in all-star games, and, you know, he is. It's the, a whole new Tim Duncan. Totally. It's a different, right. That's totally. really cool. Very so cool. would you say he's like, because I think a lot of the perception around him is like his professionality. You know, he was such a professional. He, right. you know, stayed with the Spurs his entire career, just the way he conducted himself on the court. You know, you hear these awesome stories about Tim Duncan comes down and scores on a, on a guy that's in his first or second year of the league and says, hey, you know, next time you need to force me to my right. left. Instead of my. So is he the most professional, like, down-to-earth guy you've played with? But there's a lot of them. And, and, and I think when you talk about professionalism, you can break that down different ways. Yeah. David Robinson was extremely professional in a different way. Tim was extremely professional in a different way. Chris Paul in a different way. So there are different guys that you can look at that bring a different form of professionalism to the table. You know, so so I don't think you can put professionalism under under one umbrella. You know, it can be broken down in a number of different ways, but he's definitely he, he's definitely one of the most professional guys. I'm talking about as far as his approach, his yeah. approach to the game, um, his focus, and his ability to, to, to just be who he is and do what he does. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, man, that dude was something else, man. He's, that guy was something else. In like, my he, opinion, he might go down as the, the best powerful yeah, player. Yeah, I was about to game. say. Oh, no, no question. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's no a lot of people that would unanimously agree. You put your best five players. Like by position? By position. Oh, no question. One, yeah. Power yeah. forwards. And then He's you talk there. about Tim then Duncan. you talk about then you talk about Charles Barkley you talk about Carl Malone and what separates Tim from those guys is five championships. Yep. Yeah, yep. So yeah. winner. So right. Yeah, well, definitely. And his professionalism, like we just talked about, I think yep. that really stands out against those other two guys that you mentioned. Um, just from an outside appearance, I think Tim just always carried himself. He in carried such himself a different. Way. And right. I mean, you know, some some people it rubs some people the wrong way. He kind of is like him and Pop. You know, the kind of they set the Spurs standard, right? You know of how you handle yourself, and right. And that's kind of why the Kawhi thing stuck out so much because we thought Kawhi was. And, and you know what? I, I tell you this. Years ago, when I did radio in San Antonio, I asked the question if Kawhi Leonard was torchworthy. And Spurs fans laid into me something fierce. By torchworthy, I'm not referring to production. It's a lot of guys in this league that can score. By torchworthy, I mean ready to shoulder the responsibility and be the face of a franchise, not just on the floor, but also off the floor. That's a major responsibility. Yeah. You know, a lot of people Entirely. don't understand what comes with that. To speak not just for yourself, but to speak for your fan base, to speak for your organization, and to speak for your locker room, there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that that a lot of guys can't handle. So I, speaking of pressure and everything, you played at a few different franchises in the NBA. Mm -hmm. You definitely played with People might say the best coach to ever coach in the NBA, mm -hmm. uh, Popovich. And so just speak to, like, what it was like playing under Popovich and especially winning a title under Popovich. What were those emotions and what were that, was that like? Well, I tell you the thing that uh, about Pop is I, I played with Pop before he was Pop. So the way that you guys view Pop now wasn't the way that he was viewed then. So the way he's viewed now is he's won five championships. I was a part of the first championship there. So it was, and to, to give credit to Pop, you have to give credit to the front office for having the confidence to stay with him. Because there was a point in 1999, the year we won a championship, where I, I promise you, Pop was a game away from being fired. Wow. It was in Houston. It wow. was in Houston. And I remember in Houston, we had a team meeting where everybody got off the bus. 
everybody got off the bus, all the coaches, the trainers, everybody, and it was just our team. And Avery Johnson led the, the meeting. Very, very funny meeting anytime Avery Johnson leads right. meeting. That's yeah. a completely different point. Right. But he led the meeting, and we actually discussed it. You know, if we would have lost that game in Houston, there were whispers that Pop would probably be fired. Wow. So just the fact that they stayed with him, and that should kind of open the eyes of other front offices. You know, if you're constantly switching and changing and changing and changing, you're constantly starting over. Mm -hmm. But no sometimes continuity. you can, right, you can leave someone there, allow them to build their culture, and then you can have some, some form of sustained success. But if you're constantly firing and rehiring, constantly firing and rehiring, that means you're constantly starting over brand new. So after you won that first title, uh, describe what it was like winning the title in the first place. But like, man. was there was there like a, a feeling that you had to win it and repeat the second year? You know what, man? I, I, I tell you, the, the thing that you never do that you don't realize when you're younger. I'm just talking about just in life in general. You don't learn to embrace the moment because you always feel like you have so much more time mm -hmm. that it'll happen again. We won the title in 1999. This is why I respect what LeBron James has done so much and making it to the finals so much, making it to finals eight years in a row and winning three titles. I never made it back. I never made it back again because it's not an easy thing to do. So you can talk about LeBron, oh, he's in the East. No, it don't matter. Yeah. It's difficult to make it to the NBA finals. That next year, we, had, we were better the next year than we were in 1999. Tim gets hurt right before the playoffs. He gets released by the doctors to come back and play and Pop sits him out for the rest of the playoffs. So we end up losing first round of Phoenix. I never made it back again to the, to the NBA Finals again after that. And just to show how much I did not embrace that moment. If I had an opportunity now to go back and do it all over again that night after we won the championship in New York we won the NBA championship uh -huh. in the in Mecca, New York City. in Madison yeah. Square Garden. That's crazy. You know what we did? We ate chicken wings and played John Madden football. <laughs> <laughs> That's that what we did. Awesome. That's what because your thought process is, well, you know what, oh man, you know what, we'll we'll celebrate next year. Yeah. When we make it back again next year. Or we'll celebrate the next two years when we make it back again. But at that time, that was my second year in the league. You don't understand all the politics that come along with the league. Yeah. Free agency, guys get traded, guys get um, complacent, they come back out of shape, all these other things that yeah. you don't really you don't know at that time. And this is why I say, as players, you have to approach it like a business because there's so much more to it. There's so many layers to professional sports outside of just playing the sport. Yeah. Well, and I think basically what you just said, you know, the Thunder 2012 go to the finals, you know, super young team. Right. Get knocked out in five to Miami. And the thought process, I think, kind of along the team and along the fans is we'll, we'll be, be back, back next this, year. This is yep. the beginning. Right. We'll and, be back. And then you wait four months and right before training camp starts, we all find out James Harden's traded. Right. And and then you make it to the playoffs and then Patrick Beverly takes out Russell Westbrook's knee and everything's different. The Thunder have never been back. You know, they've been close. They've never been back, never been back to the finals again. It's you not know? easy. It is not easy. I, I know sometimes what LeBron James does it looks easy because you can say he's in the Eastern Conference. To make it to eight straight NBA Finals, I don't care how many you win. I don't care if you win 0-8. The fact that you made it there, yeah. that means you're playing into June eight straight years when a lot of guys are done in April. Yeah, that's The incredible. second week of April. It is. It is incredible. Any way you look at it, any way you break it down. Because, like you just said, it's difficult to get back there. Yeah. It is. It is not because a lot of things have to go your way. 
like you said, Definitely. somebody might get traded. Somebody might get hurt. You know, there's so yep. many. Another team might mix a trade. You right. know, another team that, makes that a trade and becomes an out free agency in this day. You know, I mean, right. 2016. You know, the Thunder are what really a quarter away from going back to the finals. Right, literally. And a then quarter. the thought is, run it back next year. We got the pieces. Run it back next year. And then Serge Ibaka gets traded on on draft night. Right, Kevin Durant leaves right. July 4th. And then, you know, again, you you have this idea that it's coming around, but the the NBA is so fluid. It's so many moving pieces that, mm-hmm. like you said, you you can't guarantee anything. And think about LeBron going that many years in a row. That means half the league has not been to the finals in that many years. Yeah, half wow. the league doesn't even have a chance. You know, to go to the finals and that's in that why years. You know, Toronto. You know, their their biggest hurdle has always been in the East. LeBron. Yeah, you know, right. they can't get past Cleveland. Right. And now now they're. You know LeBron's gone. They're going to try to bring in Kawhi and and make the run again. But you know Toronto's always thought LeBron's our hurdle. LeBron's gone, but now you got Jason Tatum. You got Jalen Brown. What that does is it also forces teams to make moves. You think about Toronto this past year, or just go back the past two or three years. They've been one of the best teams in the East. They were the top team in the East last year. Yep. Dwayne Casey wins Coach of the Year, and he's fired. Yeah. Yep. You know it, it just shows like just. Man, I'm telling you, this league ain't no joke, man. Yeah, it ain't no joke. I was on, you know, Facebook nowadays has the uh, uh, the Facebook memories that you can see every day. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh-huh. So I'm on my Facebook memories, and I was looking this morning. I believe it was a year ago yesterday that Carmelo Anthony was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, and that just right there is a perfect example. You had the Paul George trade last summer, right? And then about a month later, or a month and a half later, you have the Carmelo Anthony trade, right? And what people don't realize about the Carmelo Anthony trade that that kind of sucked for both sides. And this is something we could talk about forever because it didn't work. Fair. <laughs> it, this, it didn't work. But I was so in favor of it. Not because it was Carmelo Anthony, because it showed that Sam Presti had the mentality to swing for the fences. That's what it showed. And now we have Paul George right. saying that. So, so, so now if half the NBA is tanking, or mediocre, or just okay with where they are, you know, in fifth place or sixth place. And Sam Presti said, you know what? I'm swinging for Paul George. I don't care if we do get it for one year. We're going to try and win now. I'm trying to acquire Carmelo Anthony. Even this is, even though it's right before training camp and Carmelo Anthony didn't even get that much time to work with this team. It's just the mentality of Sam Presti and Clay Bennett and these guys to actually go after and put talent alongside Russell Westbrook, understanding to compete with Golden State, to compete with four All-Stars, you need more than just one guy. Russell Westbrook's not enough. You need a Paul George. You need a Steven Adams. You need a Carmelo Anthony. You know, you need these guys to compete with the Golden State Warriors. And I love the mentality and the thought process of Sam Presti. Whether or not Carmelo Anthony worked or not. I agree with you. So, Antonio, you've had plenty of on-the-court moments. You played with superstars. You played against superstars. Is there a moment in your career that you just felt the most embarrassed on the court. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You have do you have one moment that sticks oh, out? Oh yeah. What is it? But, but see, you know what I say about about being embarrassed. If you're blessed enough to play 13 years in the league, uh-huh. number one, you're playing against the best in the world. Right. So you're going to embarrass, and you're going to get embarrassed. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So right. it's something that comes into territory. You won't find a guy. Now, if you find, you know what, you know the guy that you'll find that was never embarrassed. The guy that had a one or two year career. Yeah. 
he wasn't in the league long enough right. to get embarrassed. He wasn't long enough right. to get embarrassed. But when you're in the league long enough and you're playing against these guys night in and night uh -huh. out, you're going to get dunked on. You're going to get your shot blocked. You're going to get your shot caught. You're going to get crossed up. It's something that comes along with because TV does not do give guys justice. Mm -hmm. I tell fans that all the time. When I tell you how big LeBron James is, I, trust me. Yeah. Trust me. It does not. When I tell you how high Kobe Bryant elevates on his jump shot or how high Michael Jordan elevates on his jump shot, when I tell you how quick Allen Iverson is, TV does not give guys justice mm -hmm. as to actually be out there and have an opportunity to compete with these guys. But I would say my most embarrassing was probably with Allen Iverson. You know, the, he crossed the me crossover. over. crossover. Yeah, right. He crossed me over and sat me down. Uh -huh. You know, and it's like, oh, okay, well, you know what? It's basketball. It happens. Yeah. You know, it's, it's he something He did that, that to a lot of people, right, too. Right. It's, it's yeah. something that comes along with territory. And just as well as, you know, you'll get embarrassed. You know, a game later, you'll go out there and you'll dunk on somebody yeah. and put somebody on the poster or get an empty. It's, it's, that's the best, the best thing about the NBA. The best thing about the NBA is the talent that takes the floor night in and night out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to get, as a fan, and this is why there are such basketball fans, because you're going to get wowed all the time. Somebody's going to do something on that floor that wows you. Whether it's crossing somebody up, getting dunked on, you know, blocking somebody's shot, where you just like, man, think of like all the stuff that Russell Westbrook does that kind of leaves you like, I can't believe he just did that. Yeah. Last year when he dunked on Clint Capella with his left hand at the end of a game. That was seriously? incredible. Seriously? You know what right. I mean? Like, it's, it's, that, that's the best thing about the league. It, it is the best league in the world because it has the most talent in the world. Definitely. And, you know, you were talking about, like, TV doesn't do guys justice. Two stories that I tell people all the time. One is I met, a couple years ago, I met Perry Jones the third whenever mm -hmm. he was playing for the Thunder. I have never met a more physically imposing person than Perry Jones III. So you never met Stephen Adams? No. Okay. I've, I've never met Stephen Adams. Okay. But then a couple years ago, I got to go to the blue-white scrimmage for the Thunder mm -hmm. uh, in one of those high school gyms, and I was, I was front row, like mm -hmm. on the floor of the gym. And I have never seen somebody get off the ground as quick and as powerful as Russell Westbrook Me did. Neither. Like he's the most athletic point guard in NBA history. Th th there's most no wind-up to it. He was just – he took a step, and then his head was up the Yep. Way. And it, like – just insane. You know what? I've watched probably every game of Russell's career, mm -hmm. you know, and I've n I never knew it was like that. Yeah. I that, never yeah. knew it was like that. It's different when you watch it up close and personal or when you play against it up close and personal. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine playing you know, against it. You it, know, it, it's, it's different. It is different. You know, some of these guys, and, and the thing about the league today is it's gotten younger. Yeah. It's gotten younger and it's gotten more athletic. You look at some of these athletes in today's NBA, man, these dudes are insanely athletic just the way that they get off the ground the way that they run the way that they jump it's it's amazing it is so uh post nba career it's kind of a two-part question uh -huh. i want to know about your road uh to becoming part of the media doing mm -hmm. what you do now and i want to know in the future because i know we've all talked about this we'd love to see you in a coaching role have you ever thought about that is that something you'd consider and this is what was your road to where you are now, and where do you see yourself in the future? My road to where I was now. I started out doing uh, ESPN radio in San Antonio, and it was so weird how things happened. Like I went on to um, talk about my basketball camp. That was it. I just went on to talk about my basketball camp. You know, I got a basketball camp coming up in a couple of weeks. If you're you have a boy or a girl that's between age seven and seventeen, we'd love to have them. You know, we've been doing this for fifteen years. Blah blah blah, so on and so forth. I hung up the phone. Five minutes later, 
that station called me back and asked me if I would be willing to do a radio show, a daily radio show. I was like, well, mm, I'm good. You know, they said, well, it's only two hours a day. At the time, it was from 12 to 2. Like, you know what? No, I'm okay. And they said, we'll pay you X, Y, Z. And I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, so I started out doing ESPN radio, started out doing that. And then um, Fox Sports Southwest called and called me in for an interview on Friday. And I go in for an interview. I, I do a, um, I guess, like a stunt segment of what Thunder Live will be with John, John Radigan. And they tell me at the time, you know what, it's Friday. We're not going to hire anybody for a while. It was kind of the beginning of the summer. We're not going to hire anybody for a while, so, you know, you can just hold tight. Like, okay, cool. Did all that. And then first thing Monday morning, they called me and offered me the job. That's incredible. That is. That's awesome. And from there, NBA Radio heard um, and saw me on uh, Thunder Live and offered me a contract. So I started doing NBA Radio and then – you know, just just the Lord has opened so many doors for me. He he truly has, and this and that, and I give him credit because it's not me. It is not me. He has blessed me with the talent, and he is opening every door. And I honestly believe that he will not send me to do something he has not prepared me thoroughly to be good at. And um, from then on, you know, I've done some work with FS1, and now I'm starting to do some work with NBA TV. And and of course, looking back, looking forward to. Uh, this upcoming season again with um, the Thunder. Yeah, that's really cool. That's uh, that's really impressive. Yeah, and something that I think makes you stand out um, to OKC Thunder fans because a lot of us can really relate with that. So that's mm-hmm. really special to us as well. So have you have you ever given any, considered to coaching? I've been asked, and and, and I right now it, it's, not, it's so time consuming. Yeah, you know I'm I'm not gonna lie. I have um, you know a daughter that's 13 who plays volleyball, club volleyball, so she's traveling all the time. And uh, my daughter is seven. She plays soccer. And my son is just, he'll be four months tomorrow. So, you know, I I spent the majority of my career, 13 years, just traveling and traveling and traveling. And, you know, I got to be home. Yeah. I got to be home. You know, they they come down and they come down to OKC games a good amount. So OKC to San Antonio is not where far – you know, Dallas is not real far. Or anywhere if I'm in New Orleans, it's not real far. So I, I got to be home. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. Yeah. So was was um, that at all part of your decision to stop playing? Yeah, that was a big piece, and also just the way that my body started to feel. Yeah. You know, I heard Manu the other day in San Antonio talking about the way his body felt and how you kind of know that's time. Yeah. And and when your body starts to feel a certain way, when that passion that you once had you don't have anymore like you don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go work out yeah and then come back again at nine o'clock and then come back again at three o'clock and then go and play five on five at eight o'clock when you don't want to do those things anymore it's about time to you know it's about time to hang it up and walk away for sure for me i you know i I wasn't supposed to be in the nba to start off with you know coming from a mid-major school you know bowling green state university i wasn't supposed to be there anyway so 13 years was a blessing for me for sure for sure i you know, I think so many people look at players as like on their video games, you know, like it, it, it's like NBA 2K, you know, and people lose sight of like, you know, I'll use Russ for an example. You know, he's got a son. We mm-hmm. just found out that he's going to have twin daughters. Right. You know, he's got a wife at home. He's got his parents out in L.A. He's got his brother he's close with. Like you're on the road all the time. You're human. You know? Yeah, you're human. You're and, human. And, and you want to spend time with those people that you love and care about. Not that you don't love and care about your teammates, but, you know, you want to spend time with that family and. You know, the NBA is a long season. Like you were talking about earlier, it's a 
you know, you're playing from October till a lot of times May and June. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot of time away from family. And so I've always wondered, like, what the what the effects that is, like, on players. Like, if it hurts their relationships with uh, with their you know, kids, I, I, with their wives. This. I'm going to tell you this. There was one point. There was one point where the NBA divorce rate was 85%. Wow. What? That's unreal. Wow. There was one point the NBA divorce rate was 85%. That's insane. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. And you spend more time for that eight or nine months of the season with your teammates than you do with your family. Yeah. You know, that's why it's so important to have chemistry. That's why it's so important. And, and, and like I said, there, there's so many layers to professional sports that fans don't really think about. If you are playing on a team that you truly enjoy the guys around you, it makes for one hell of a season. Yeah. It really does. Because you guys are together on the bus. You guys are together on the plane. You guys are together you know, when you go out, going out to dinners, all these kind of things. And that's where chemistry and camaraderie and all these things are built that people don't really take into consideration. It's not like you just go out on the floor and you just hoop. Yeah. And that's it. You know what I mean? Like, you guys spend a legitimate amount of time together for that nine months. And actually, it's more than nine months because it starts before. Yeah. So, guys generally come down a month in advance to start preparing for training camp, start playing together, start getting a feel for one another, and so on and so forth. So, if you're playing on a team where you can – now, I'm not saying what you say for media purposes because inside you know. Inside you know. You can yeah. say for the media, oh, man, we're all like brothers. But inside you know you're not. I'm talking about on a team where you can say you guys are all like brothers and you feel like brothers, there's nothing better. For sure. So I think that's a really good segue to uh, to talk about some of the Thunder stuff because what you were just talking about makes me think of Paul George, you know. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about, you know, Sam Presti swings for the fences last season, brings Paul George in um, possibly for only one year. Right. And he ends up this summer signing uh, – Signing to stay. Then we find out it's for a minimum of three, possibly four years, taking him through the prime of his career. Uh, number one, to, to you, what does that say about his relationship with his teammates, and were you surprised by that decision? Um, I wasn't surprised by the decision because I honestly feel like one of the most underrated things in today's NBA is relationships. If you look, guys in today's league, they hold a certain amount of power as to where they want to play and who they want to play with. If you look at some of the different free agent decisions that have happened and trades that have happened, they've been discussed ahead of time. You can go all the way back to LeBron and Miami. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh discussed that before it actually came to. Yeah. You know, James Harden and Chris Paul actually discussed that before it came to. You know, so relationships are incredibly, incredibly important. And if Paul George would have came to Oklahoma City and not had that relationship with Russell Westbrook, then chances are he probably wouldn't have re-signed back here. Yeah. But I've honestly felt that him and Russ were a lot tighter than what people gave them credit for. A lot tighter than what people gave them credit for. And it says a lot to me that Paul George chose to come to Oklahoma City and play with Russell Westbrook Steven Adams, Andre Robertson, under coach Billy Donovan and Sam Presti, as opposed to going home in L.A. and playing with LeBron James. I think that speaks volumes. Bang, bang. That's a perfect bang, bang moment. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, can't, I can't agree more with that. And I, I, I think it definitely speaks to, uh, speaks to the relationship, you know. So, but like you said, Russ is 
the most explosive point guard probably of all time, ever played in the league. And Dwayne Wade used to play like that a long time ago as well. And he, his knees, he always has to get fluid drained out of his knees. And Russ, I mean, he hasn't had the really many operations on his knees since Patrick Beverly. He's had a PRP injection last year. But other than that, it's been pretty consistent, mm-hmm. clean. And then he goes and randomly, we all, we all find out via, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski or Shams that he's having a scope. Is there anything to be worried about that or what what are your thoughts on that? You know what? I've never seen a player respond from three knee surgeries where Russell has to start off with. That's the truth. You know what I mean? Like you, you think about it. Like I, I played with Gilbert Arenas. I played with Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas had two knee surgeries and, and I'll say this before I say this. Gilbert Arenas is the most talented player I played with wow. in my 13 year career. The most talented. Not the wow. best but the most talented. Gilbert Arenas is one of the most talented players I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Ever. After his two knee surgeries, he was never the same. Russell Westbrook now is on his fourth knee surgery, and he's still just as explosive as he was back then. Back then, some guys just respond. Some guys' bodies respond different. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's a reason that some guys can play until they're 43, and other guys retire when they're 25. Right. You know, everybody's body is built a little bit different, and Russ has that body that's built like, you know what? Whatever you throw at me, I'm a bounce back. Whatever you throw at me, I'm going to bounce back. Yep. I, yeah, that, him coming back from those three surgeries that season, like, you know, I think so many fans, there's people in the NBA were worried about, like, is he ever going to be the same right. player, you and know? And the thing about it, it's not him coming back. It's the way he came back. That's what was the most yeah. impressive thing. Right. You know, I, I've seen many guys come back from knee surgeries, but to see guys come back from knee surgeries like they hadn't missed a step or lost any form of explosiveness whatsoever, that's what was most impressive. Because yep. we look at Derrick Rose. Right. Yeah. right. And then yeah. you it's look a lot at of them. Yep. Look at Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. It's a whole lot of really explosive guys that have had knee surgeries and their bodies just don't respond the same. And yep. then you have other guys that can have knee surgeries and they're like, hey, you know what? It is what it is. Exactly. And that's, I think, Thunder fans have gotten used to Russ and like his otherworldly like body and how he responds to those. Mm-hmm. That I think we all knock on wood here. I think we all have this this thought about um, about Andre Robertson coming back. You know, ruptured patella tendon and coming back, and you know, give him some time and he'll be back to the same old Dre. And you know, obviously we all hope he does, but like you said, people don't respond the same. And if Dre comes back, you know, short a step, you know, he, he's a little bit slower. Um, He's, he's a totally different player. Right. You know, he's a totally different player. Right, and you hope he doesn't. Yeah, you know, right. th- That's the thing is you, you really hope that that he doesn't. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, no matter what sports you're talking about, oh, surgery is no joke. You surgery never is no joke. You never want to see a player have exactly. surgery, and you never want to be that player to have that surgery. You know, that's just the, that's the brutal reality of it because you don't know how your body is going to respond. And with Dre, what you're hoping is that He's young enough that his body will respond appropriately. You know, Dre doesn't have, you know, 13, 14 years of NBA miles on his body yet. Yeah. You know, so he still has, Lord willing, a long um, NBA career ahead of him. So you hope that his body responds appropriately. Definitely. And in all honesty, with Dre, would you, do do you think he's one of the better, one of the best, let's say best defensive players you've ever seen? You say one of the best or the best? One of the best. Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah. Dre's a hell of a defender. Dre's a hell of a defender. I, I'm, I mean, when you, and I, what I like about Dre is number one, he understands angles, which I think is a huge part of of defending. 
he understands strengths and weaknesses. He understands what guys do well and what they don't do well, and he can take away, or at least try and take away, what they do well. Yeah. That's hard to do in today's NBA. With For the sure. rule changes, with the fact you can't touch guys and all these other kind of things. We were talking about this prior to. You know how hard it is to play defense in today's NBA? Where you can't touch a guy. So basically, you have to have very quick feet, and you have to be able to anticipate extremely well. Yep. And he has length, and he knows how to use his length. Dre is a hell of a on-ball defender. He has a very high basketball IQ. He does. Yeah, and you know basketball. what? When you talk about a basketball IQ, what people automatically think about is offense. Offense. Passing, you yeah. Know, this guy can make the right pass. This guy can make the right read. You think of there's a point a, guard. Yeah. Right? There's a defensive basketball IQ as well. Yeah. Understanding oh, rotations. Who to rotate to. You know, okay, do I contest this guy? Do I send him left? Do I send him right? Understanding strengths and weaknesses. I really like what you said about angles. Because uh, somebody who's grown up around the game since I was four years old, obviously mm -hmm. nowhere near the level that you did, but I feel like angles is a very highly underrated aspect of the game that people really don't focus on. And I think that was a really good point that you made about that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's hard because that's really what defense is, really in today's NBA. It's more about angles. Back in the 80s and 90s, it was more about physicality. You know, you get to you, you beat me, I can put my forearm on you, I can put my hand on you, I can guide you, I want to guide you. Now you have to be able to use angles to take away a guy's strength. And that's another thing Dre does. He keeps his hands out. Yeah. He keeps his hand out. And that's discipline. That's defensive discipline. So Dre really practices a lot. And there's a reason that this team is so good defensively with Dre in there as opposed to with him not there. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that speaks to his um – like his work ethic off the court as far as like not even like in practice but just like film room and stuff you talked a lot about like oh, knowing yeah. guys strengths and weaknesses you have, you have to watch you have to watch the game to know that stuff do some players take that for granted yeah. or or like yeah. not watch film I'm, I'm sure yeah i'm sure i can't speak for you know guys today but i know you know back with, man, some dudes when i used to play man they used to just come hoop that was <laughs> just, just like as a pickup game yeah they used to just come hoop like all right man just just throw me out there man i'm I'm gonna do what I do. Not understanding Give a guy's strength and weaknesses. Right. Not understanding, and, and that's why I think one of the most cliche statements in sports, and it drives me crazy when I hear guys say it, is, you know what? I just want to win a championship. I'll do anything to win a championship. And everybody says that until it's time to do winning championship things. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, I just want to win a championship. Well, that's unless you want me to come off the bench, or I want to yeah. win a championship. Ah, uh, unless you want me to to be in my room by 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, you know, I want me to sacrifice to 10 right, shots. Exactly. I'm, I'm willing to do anything to win a championship unless that, you know, so it, it's, that's a part of a championship culture. When guys are really willing to say what they're willing to do to win a championship, but also do it. Did you see that in San Antonio whenever you went there? Yes. That, that's where I learned to be a professional. And, 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 and I was surrounded by ultimate, man, you talk about uh, veterans, Avery Johnson, David Robinson, uh, Jerome Kersey, God rest his soul, Mario Ellie, Steve Kerr, um, Danny Ferry, so many different, Terry Porter, Jaron Jackson. I'm, I'm talking about it was a, a locker room that really policed itself. Yeah, so that's an incredible list. It was. Yeah. It, it was it was a great it was a great environment and a great locker room with guys that really got along. And it was like me, Malik Rose, and Tim Duncan were like the younger guys. Yeah. With a with a whole bus full of older guys that listen to gospel music and listen to jazz and you know have bible studies and you know so it was it was different well, it was different how different do you think your career is your, your career would have been if you hadn't got traded to san antonio I, I think a lot of what a guy can become is where he gets traded or drafted by look at zach randolph in portland and look at zach randolph in memphis yep 
what a difference. Mm-hmm. And I played with Zach in Portland. I played with Zach in Portland. And as talented as that team was, that wasn't the place for Zach Randolph out of Michigan State to become a man, to become a professional. It took him getting to the the grit and grind of the Memphis, Memphis is, yeah. for him to kind of grow into that veteran that, that he eventually ended up becoming. For sure. I, I've always wondered um, Boogie. Boogie Cousins going to Sacramento. If he gets drafted to a place like San Antonio or Oklahoma City, does his does his career end up differently? Right. You know? And, and is he a different person? Yeah. Is he just ultimately a different person? Does he learn how to be more professional? And this is why I think, honestly, it's a great move for him going to to Golden State. Yeah, for him personally? Yes. It's a great move for him going to Golden State because now he is he's entrenched in a culture. A culture. And there are so many organizations that are decent organizations or that med- they're mediocre, but they don't have a culture set in place from top to bottom. You look at the Golden State Warriors, because of their winning, because of what they've done, they have a culture that's set in place. So you either go there and you adhere and you buy into the culture, or they move on without you. Is is there a Thunder player, uh, whether past or present, that you would say reminds you most of yourself as far as the way they came into the league and the way they play at all? No, not really. Not really. Okay. Interesting. Not, not a not a Thunder guy. Not a Thunder player. Is there anybody I, I, in the I'm league that reminds yeah, yourself? That's what I'm trying to think about. Yeah, that's a good question. I got to think about that one. Okay. I got to think about that one. Hey, before we move on, real quick, um, as we're get, about to start talking more OKC stuff, we are actually recording this podcast. Uh, well, I, I say live, but it's a podcast, so it's not really live. But we are hanging out at the press in the Plaza District of Oklahoma City today. They have graciously offered us uh, some table space and let us come and eat lunch and, and meet up with AD and record this podcast. It's, a, it's an awesome place. The vibe here, the atmosphere is incredible. And that doesn't even begin to mention the food. Oh, it's good. The food is insane. I had the, the, the buffalo. I think a lot of us here had the buffalo mac and cheese today. As did I. Was, was it a little too spicy for you, though? No, it was all right. It was good? It was all right. The, was the first bite was a little spicy, but, you know, we, we worked it out, though. <laughs> you had to get the palate ready. Yeah, you know? yeah, we worked yeah. it out. It was really good, though. The mac, the mac and cheese really was good. incredible. Uh, I, I had uh, the Indian tacos, and they were really good. Not nice. what I expected for a taco, but it was good. Very nice. Come here. What did you have? I think I had a burger with, like, jalapenos on it with, like, four different kinds of meat. It was uh, spicy, but not as spicy as what AD had, but it's pretty good. <laughs> so uh, so it sounds like you're prepped to, like, go run some hoops now, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, Kamir and I came and ate here with our fiancés, and we left this table and immediately went to run pickup. Uh, and we both ate the same thing today that we ate then. And stomach full of jalapenos. The, the food was great, but I've never the, felt the like the I was going to The food was puke. great, but the run wasn't. Oh, <laughs> it was awful. Was awful. Cool. I, I, like, I had the food sweats going, man. It was bad. It was bad. But, hey, huge shout-out to the press for, for hosting us today. Sure. If you guys haven't come out here yet, I'm telling you, like the, the Thunder season's about to start. We're probably four miles away from the peak. You can come down here. You can eat dinner. You can head down, catch the game. Um, it's an awesome, awesome place. We really appreciate them. So make sure you check out the press. And uh, with that, let's get back to, uh, to some more Thunder-centered stuff. So we talked a little bit about Dre and obviously his injury. And we also talked about the past couple summers of Oklahoma City Thunder history. Um, you know, two summers ago, Katie leaves. That's a really, really big moment for the franchise. Mm-hmm. This past summer, or I guess I should say a year ago, uh, we traded for Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, which is arguably just as big. This summer, maybe not quite a big of a splash, but Preston made a lot of moves. 
um, you know, we lost, we got rid of Mello, uh, Corey Brewer, Nick Collison retired, and uh, Josh Hustis went his own way to uh, back to San Antonio, it mm-hmm. seems like. But we also got Schroeder and TLC in that deal. Um, Nerlens Noel signed with us as a free agent. Deontay Burton is a two-way player who's just kind of emerged in the summer league and looks really, really talented. Um, and then we got Nader from uh, the Celtics, which mm-hmm. I think is another really good, versatile uh, guy who can play both the three, the four, um, and, and seems like a really good player as well. So, Antonio, who do you think OKC will miss the most from the, the group that I mentioned that left? And who do you think can come in and have like the biggest impact, the one you're most excited about coming in, even if it's like a Dre replacement or maybe it's Schroeder at the point guard position? I, I think they'll miss Nick Collison the most. And I'm not just talking about his impact on the floor. I'm talking about locker room presence. Locker room presence. The, the, you, you, can replace, you can replace points. Um, you can replace talent. It's not easy to do. It's tough to replace professionalism. It's tough to replace a guy who is willing to show up and work his tail off night in and night out when he knows he's not going to play. You know, there's a reason that he was had the nickname Mr. Thunder. There's a reason, you know. So I, I think Nick will really, really be missed. You talked here. about culture here a right. little bit ago, and right. I think Nick Collison kind of embodied the culture for the Thunder. Would for you sure. Agree with that? Yes, I, I think Nick will really be missed most. Um, it was good to hear in uh, Sam Presti's press conference on Thursday him talk about uh, him and Sam are, or Sam and Nick have both been in contact almost as much as they ever have been, mm-hmm. and hopefully Nick's going to be around a little bit this season. So that's really good to yeah. see. Yeah, you, you need those with with the NBA getting so much younger. You need those guys. You know, you need that locker room presence. You need that professionalism in your locker room. Um, I think Nick will be missed the most, and and it's a toss up for me. As far as which guy I'm looking forward to, I guess, the most, I think the obvious answer is Dennis Schroeder. 24 years old, averaged 19 and 6 a year ago. I can't believe he's that young. And he has started, you know, in Atlanta for the past two years. But there is something to me, to me, about Nerlens Noel that's very intriguing. There's a reason he was drafted as high as he was drafted. And... This league will give you opportunities. This is a great opportunity for Nerlens Noel to revamp his image and to revamp his reputation. And we were talking as well earlier, just here a little bit ago, about um, you know being drafted or traded into a culture. And it almost seems like Nerlens was, you know, he was drafted into that early, quote-unquote, the process in Philadelphia. Right. Maybe at the wrong time. Yeah, they had no veterans there, really, right. to, to guide right. those young guys. Right, exactly. So it, just like it didn't work for him and it didn't work for Jaleel Okafor either. Yeah. You know, because they weren't – the process was Joel Embiid. Yeah. That was the process. Yeah. He is the process. So if he's not there, then you're not going to be very successful. So a lot fell on Nerlens Noel, a lot fell on Jaleel Okafor. And then Nerlens goes to Dallas and turns down that deal. And then, you know, a lot of things happen from then. And um, this just is a great opportunity for him to – you know what I equate this to? When JaVel McGee went to Golden State, JaVel McGee got an opportunity to be who he is, which means he ran, he defended, and he finished. He wasn't asked to do anything that he wasn't physically capable of doing. You come here – with this Thunder team, and now one of the storylines entering this year is the pace of play and how they want to play much faster. If you're Nerlens Noel, what is your job? Yep. Block shots, rebound, and run. Yep. That's it. Run to the rim. That's it. That's it. When you have guys that warrant a man and a half, Russell Westbrook warrants a man and a half, Paul George warrants a man and a half, 
That's why so many guys in today's NBA get lobs. You're Nerlens Noel. Just be ready to finish. Yeah. That's all. You're going to have a lot a great, of lobs. Right. This is guys. a great opportunity for him to kind of catch fire, kind of get that, that love back that he had in college before he came to the NBA and then saw the whole political and business side of things. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think Nerlens you know, is going to back up Steven Adams. Schroeder's going to back up Russell Westbrook. I think that could be a really dynamic I was going to mention that, Bench yeah. group, you know. You talked about drawing defenders, and that's why guys get lobs. Dennis Schroeder's a guy that, that is quick and lives yeah. in the paint. Well, you know what I like about the addition of Schroeder, though, is it gives Billy Donovan a ton of versatility. So now he doesn't just have to back up Russell Westbrook. He can play alongside Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Now you have different situations that you can put Russell Westbrook in that you couldn't before. Because now, this isn't a backup point guard. This is a starting point guard in a backup role. Yeah. You know, so this isn't a guy who's used to, I was a backup point guard. You know, so I, I, I know what that's like. Dennis Schroeder's not a backup point guard. He's a starting point guard that is now has to come off the bench. You can put him alongside Russell Westbrook, and in today's NBA was positionless basketball, and you can put your five best playmakers on the floor. Yeah. A Dennis Schroeder, a Russell Westbrook, a Paul George, a Andre Robertson, and you pick the five. A Jeremy Grant, a Patrick Patterson. Now you can match up with that Golden State Hampton five. You know, it gives you, it just gives you so much versatility that you can that you can combat some of these other teams with. Speaking on who we lost in the offseason, who we gained, looking at this team going forward. Do you see one glaring Achilles heel or area that we're most weak in that you think is gonna be our you know, thing we hear about all year, that's the reason that we're not winning games on the stretch or anything like that? I think the and, and Presti touched, touched on it the other day in the press conference. It has to be shooting. It has to be shooting. Um, when you have Paul George, when you have Russell Westbrook, when you have a guy like Dennis Schroeder who is capable of breaking down defense and collapsing defenses, they need space. Those guys need space. And guys have to hit shots. Yep. So guys do, have to hit shots. Do you think they can fix that space problem from within, from guys like maybe Terrence Ferguson taking another step, guys like Alex Abrinas? Well, Alex Abrinas is known as a shooter, so his yeah. reputation alone, he's going to so – you have to guard him. For sure. And, and what you hope is that the younger guys take that next step. Yeah. You know, the, the Terrence Ferguson's, the Jeremy Grants, those guys. What I like that Andre Robertson did last year is he didn't become three-point happy. So he found a way to make himself effective without shooting that three-point ball, where you still had to honor him. So he became a great cutter. Yeah. He became a great cutter, moving without the basketball, where if you turn your head, he's he getting dunk. a backdoor layup. Yeah. He's getting a dunk. He's getting a tip in or an offensive rebound or something like that. So there are different ways to offset shooting. But I tell you what, that's one thing that no team in this league can have enough of, and that's the ability of guys to shoot that basketball and stretch the floor. Yep, exactly. You need those guys to, to pull people out of the lane so Russ and Shooter can attack. Right. And you need those guys so whenever Russ and Shooter attack and those guys collapse the lane, they're gonna make you, them pay. You, you've got open open shooters, yeah. And I think kind of what you said about Andre Robertson, uh, you know, like I don't have advanced stats in front of me or anything like that, but I think he's a really underrated screener for a guard. You don't see a lot of guards like getting out there and like setting solid screens. My bad. <laughs> Setting solid screens or, or rolling to the rim. Um, and Andre has the ability to do that. I mean, he played power forward in college, mm -hmm. right? So so he's kind of accustomed to that. And I think that's something that kind of adds to his offensive arsenal. Like, they you definitely need shooting, but you don't have to be a shooter to be a good offensive player, right? No, you don't have to be a shooter to be a good offensive player. Because in today, what, I think the biggest misconception 
today is to be a good offensive player, you have to shoot threes. Giannis Antetokounmpo don't shoot threes. DeMar DeRozan sure. don't shoot threes. Ben Simmons don't shoot threes. There's a lot of guys that don't shoot threes but are still very, very good all-NBA basketball players. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of guys. You have to find a way when you're out there to make teams honor you. That's all. Whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. You you gotta know, be account- someone's got to account for somebody you. Somebody has to account for you. Steven Adams ain't going to step out and shoot a 15-foot jump shot, but I tell you what, if you don't account for him, he's going to get six, seven offensive rebounds a game. Yep. So now you have to account for him. You know, and that's what Andre become, became really good at this past year. And saying, you know what, I'm not going to sit out there and just bail teams out and launch threes and launch threes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start back cutting. I'm going to start offensive rebounding. That way someone has to account for me on the floor. That's a great point. That's a great point because – you know, like you said, people just get in this habit of if you can't shoot, you're not good. And that's, you know? that's the biggest thing. We, we got into this argument on, on Colin Coward. We got <laughs> yeah. into the same argument because the argument that they were telling me was, well, the Thunder don't have enough shooting and they don't, they don't have enough. Well, you know what? DeMar DeRozan was all NBA. Yep. You know? He's not a three-point shooter. Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of the top five, six players in the league. He ain't shooting no threes. Exactly. Ben Simmons won rookie of the year. He ain't shooting no threes. So you can't tell me you cannot be effective and impactful in today's NBA without shooting that three-point ball. Yep. There's so much more to the game than just shooting the ball. Right. So much more to the game, you know. It's important. And I mean, I I don't want to downplay it like it's not important because it is important. But everybody's everybody's main skill isn't shooting the three. Yeah. Everybody's not Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Everybody ain't out there shooting threes. That's not the strength of everybody's game. Exactly. If I'm Russell Westbrook, like – the strength of my game is attacking the rim and putting folks in the rim. Yeah. Why would I? You know what I mean? So is Billy nah. Donovan had this this quote a while back, a couple years ago that that I love. He talked about so many players focus on how can I become a better scorer, how can I handle the ball when ninety percent of the time you're on the court, you, you don't, don't have, have the ball in the hand in your hands. You don't have so it. So why are people not focusing more on that that Moving that ninety percent exactly? Right. You Moving know? without the ball. And so you know, I I, I think that's a, definitely a thing that's overlooked. You you know one of my big storylines this year, and I'm and I, this is the first year since Billy Donovan has been here that one of his top stars is not a free agent. Yep. He finally has some consistency. How Continuity. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So, so three yeah. years ago, it was Kevin Durant. Two years ago, it was Russell Westbrook. And this past year, it was Paul George. Paul George yep. Can you imagine how he feels as a coach now to know that you have some sort of consistency and some sort of foundation moving forward? Yeah, you, where, you can build. Right. You don't have to make desperation three years ago, moves. Right. Three years ago, he didn't know if Kevin Durant was coming back or not. Two yeah. years ago, you don't know what Russ is going to do. This past year, you don't know if Paul George is going to be here or not. And, and you're trying a, to keep Melo happy. Right. <laughs> and as a coach, it just you just have to have, like, it's almost like a weight that's lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. As a coach, to say, gosh, man, this is great. Now, okay, I got Paul George locked up. I got Russell Westbrook locked up. I got Andre Robertson locked up. I got Jeremy Grant locked up. I got Steven Adams locked up. I got Dennis Schroeder. So it, it's like now you get an opportunity to coach the way that you want to coach without that outside noise and distraction. Definitely. So do you mind saying something about – you talked about how that affects Billy. How does that affect guys like Sam Presti in the front office? Well, it's just the fact that you don't know. You don't know what's next. Yeah. You know, that's why it's so important. And it's so think, – think of like LeBron. Think of when he signs those one-year deals. After 60 games, the conversation becomes, well, is LeBron going to be here next yep. year? Yep. Is he going to be here next year? Is LeBron gone? Is he here? Is he gone? Is he? When you get a guy to sign for three or four years, you know you have that guy. It's a completely different approach 
So now you don't have to worry about, well, we got to keep this guy happy. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? You know, is this guy coming back? Is he not coming back? You know, you thought the same thing about KD three years ago. And then two years ago, it's like, you know, a lot of people thought Russ, Russ was coming back, but then he signed that the Supermax deal. It's like, okay, he's here. Now Paul George is here. It's like all outside, everybody outside of Oklahoma City. And I mean this wholeheartedly. Everybody outside of Oklahoma City thought Paul George was gone. Everybody. That's all I heard. Oh, you can talk about Paul George all you want to. I'll be watching Telegraph. He ain't coming back. He renting a house in Oklahoma City. He going to L.A. You know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Lo and behold, Paul George comes back. Because you don't know until someone signs on that dotted line. Yeah. But once he signs on that dotted line, the Russell Westbrooks and the Paul Georges and the Stephen Adams and the Jeremy Grant, it gives you some sort of stability moving forward. Definitely. I I think it's just as important for, for Presti because Presti's the kind of guy that, that builds – you know, he right. builds through trades, through the draft, gets young guys, builds them up, player development. I mean, look at how much of a different player Grant is now from right. where he was three years ago. From you know, where he was, was yeah, when he got here. Yeah, yeah, so this is the first year where Presti doesn't have to feel like, you know, I have to worry about how far we get in the playoffs. I have to worry about being the Warriors or I'm going to lose my top guys. He can get back to kind of that, uh, that, that building something up. You know, and I think that there's something to be said about that, you know, that. And you do think about that, though. I mean, you know, you, you do. I mean. If you talk to everybody in that locker room, everybody in that locker room will tell you how much they want to be Golden State. Yeah. Because right now, Golden State is the front runner year after year after year. And you understand to become the champ, you got to beat the champ. Yep. That's not an easy thing to do. So we talked a little bit about Sam Pressing. One question I had for you mm-hmm. is I was doing a little research and reading some articles, and Sam Pressing was an intern for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. You ran across him before the Thunder. What was your impression of him early on? And did you have any idea that he would become what he is today or what, what he's currently let me, becoming? Let me lie. Yes, I knew Sam Preston would become. <laughs> he like, was no. going to be the best GM yeah, in the league. Right. No, no. I mean, Sam, Sam was there when I was there. I've, I've known Sam for quite some time. I've known Sam for a good amount of time. And, you know, you, you don't really know because you don't really have that much interaction with him at that time. Now, you talk to him, you know, hey, how you doing, so on and so forth. But you don't know. You know, as far as what a guy's future is, and actually to see Sam now, and and Sam's awesome. Sam's really, really, really good at his job. Yeah. You know, people can can talk about, oh, you know what, he traded James Harden. Yeah. Like, you know what? Okay, tell me one general manager that's one hundred percent. You know, what I mean, that that's something that comes along with. Sam's it. about and, as close as it gets. Right. You know, and, and, and at that time, at that time, maybe you can make the argument. Maybe you can make the argument. They could have held on James Harden to the end of the year. Maybe that's the argument. But the fact of the matter is, at hindsight's always twenty twenty. And that next season, that arguably, statistically speaking, that was one of their best teams ever. Yeah, but, and then but, Russ gets hurt. But yeah, but the thing is, like when people say, you know, no one saw James Harden becoming this. No, right, right. No, you can stop it. Anybody who says that is lying. That when James Harden was coming off the bench here in Oklahoma City, that, oh, man, I knew he was going to be the NBA MVP one day when he went to another team. No, no one knew that. And at that time, you have Russell Westbrook, you have Kevin Durant. You have two guys that can score in between 30 and 40 points a night. And you have Serge Ibaka, who at that time, remember, hindsight's 2020. We're not talking about today. We're talking about then. Serge Ibaka at that time was an NBA unicorn. There were not very many guys that were shooting threes, blocking shots, running the floor, and finishing like Serge Ibaka was. Yeah. So you That's have a choice a really to make. Point. You have a choice to make. Do I stay with the NBA unicorn at that time, or do I add James Harden 
with these other two guys that I have that are already dynamic with the basketball. And that's the choice you have to make. That's that's something that comes along with the territory. You can look at it now and look at Serge Ibaka in Toronto and look at James Harden in Houston and say, well, if it was me, well, yeah, you can say that after the fact. But yep. Sam Presti is one of the best in the business, hands down. Ibaka was one of the best defensive players in the league back then. And he was hitting threes. Yeah. Yeah. And which was which was ideal. He, he was ahead of the modern NBA. No question. And no, he was he was a unicorn at that time. A, a Twenty nine other GMs wish they had that decision to make. No question. Wish they had that decision no to make. Question. You know. All right. Do you guys want to move around to some around the association stuff? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So, hold on. I got the sounder. Would you oh. pump the brake? So speaking of all the other GMs in the league, there is one GM slash president of basketball operations and president of an organization from the Timberwolves. That's Those guys are having a rough time out there, and Jimmy Butler's kind of demanded a trade, and he's, he's noticed he's sought out three specific teams. And what was something that was really interesting that came out of that was that he specifically did not want to play with LeBron. He wanted to go to L.A., but he didn't want to go to the Lakers. He wanted to go to the Clippers. What does that say about Jimmy Butler that he would rather go play with the Clippers instead of trying to team up with LeBron in L.A.? Um, I don't think that says anything about Jimmy Butler. I, I think a lot of guys feel that way right now. You know, I, you know, Kawhi Leonard at one point, it came out that he wanted to go to the Clippers because he didn't want to play with LeBron. Mm -hmm. Boogie Cousins didn't really want to go to L.A. Paul George didn't go to L.A. It's a number of guys you can you can look at that have, have turned down LA. And I don't think that's a, a – I'm not saying that to discredit LeBron. Right. Because I think he's the best player in the NBA today. But he's very difficult to play with. And if you are a certain type of player, I would want to play with LeBron too. If shooting the basketball was my primary skill, if I'm Clay Thompson, if I'm Kyle Korver, if I'm Ray Allen, if I'm Mike Miller, if I'm James Jones, if I'm Shane Battier, if I'm any of these guys – that are catch-and-shoot guys, I want to play with LeBron, too. But if I'm a guy that needs the ball in my hand, a Dwayne Wade, a Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. Irving, a Isaiah Thomas, a Derrick Rose, you know, you can go down the line of different guys that didn't work, a Rodney Hood, of different guys. No, I'm, that's probably not who I want to play with because whatever LeBron has played, he has been the system. Right. So then we, tr we, we turn our heads to a different type of player that – OKC fans are really, really familiar with and, and Kevin Durant. Let's say, you know, he goes six games uh, in Western Conference Finals. They, they're like a three-minute span of a train wreck away from making it back to the finals for the first yeah. time since 2012. He then goes and joins the Golden State Warriors who just had a historic season. They win however many games that they set the record. They beat the Jordan Bulls as far as the, the amount of wins they just had. And... You know, what are your, what are your thoughts and comments on Kevin Durant's move to Golden State? Do you think it's right for his career? Do you have any decision? Because CJ McCollum was pretty outspoken about what he thought, what his thoughts were on Kevin mm -hmm. Durant. And, and you know, we, we had the discussion before. Okay, I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Okay, okay? I'm gonna ask you I guys like a this. question. Flip the interview on its head. I'm, I'm, I'm flip AD. The, I'm, Let's I'm, go. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna flip the interview. Just yes or no. Yep. Okay. The, yes or no. Okay. Did Kevin Durant make the wrong decision? No. 
from a yes. personal standpoint. I mean, no, 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 no. Just yes or no. It's yes or no. Okay. Did he make the wrong decision? Yes. I'll speak for the group. Yes. Do you guys disagree with me? I say no. Did he make the wrong decision? It's perspective. He's based. winning championships, so you, no. I say no. Okay, and why do you say yes? Do you want the truth? Because you're salty. Of course, I want the truth. Because he directly uh, affected my fandom, and I think legacy-wise, he would have been better to be in Oklahoma City, okay. which I think we all agree. <laughs> it, 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 now, now, legacy-wise, I, I agree with that piece, but this is my thought process and we talked about this prior to as far as free agency goes an unrestricted free agent means you are not restricted by anything yep. that means you go where you feel is best for you and your family that's not a popular decision a lot of times it's not yep. and, and I completely get the anger from OKC fans about it because you're up 3-1 against the same team that you end up joining. That was my issue. That was my only issue right there. Yep. You're up 3-1, and then you join that team. But if that's where you feel like it's what's best for you and your family, I can't fault guys for doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't. I, I, I would be a hypocrite. I would be a hypocrite if I faulted Kevin Durant for doing what he felt was best for him and his family when I feel like every athlete should do what's best for him and his family. Just like I feel like every person should do what's best for him and their family. You, as soon-to-be husbands and fathers, you will see as you get older, you will look at the situation around you. It's bigger than just you. It's bigger than just you. So this isn't a professional situation. This is a life situation. Yeah, you know? that and, makes sense. And when I talk about this on NBA radio all the time and people call in about it and so on and so forth, like the, the question that I ask people is, when do you not do what's in your best interest when do you not yeah i understand what we want as fans we wanted to see kevin durant come back and i was upset when he left too right. we wanted to see kevin durant come back to challenge that golden state warriors team if for whatever reason i don't know what the reason was that he felt like it was best for him to move on would you feel any different about his move if he had joined like let's say the celtics instead of the warriors would I felt any different? Yeah, about his move because you said it was. You said it was, you didn't really like the move either, but no, no, no. The only reason I didn't like the move was because you're up three one. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then you join the team that just beat you. That was it. It's the perennial. If you can't beat them, join them. Right. That's it. But then, uh, like I said, for for if for anybody, for anybody, if it's what you feel is best for you and your family, and, and I'll tell you this, you know who I blame a lot. For, for Kevin Durant's decision, I blame the media. Yep. Because what Ring we culture. do... No, yeah, right. What we do is we, we tell guys, you know what, if you don't have a ring, your career is less than. Mm. You know, we were talking prior to, and what separates Tim Duncan from Carl Malone and Charles Barkley? Rings. Rings. Right. That, that's what... So we basically say, even nowadays on social media, anytime Charles Barkley says something, or Reggie Miller as an analyst says something, people always say, oh man, what do you know? You ain't never won a championship. Yep. So we make it seems like if you don't win a championship, that your career is less than. These guys hear this. Right. Definitely. They hear this. You know what I mean? These guys hear what's the, the chatter, the talk, and, you know, it, well, what if I play my entire career and I don't win a championship? Now people are going to say, you know what, you're a great player, but. You're a great player, but. Yeah. So, so 
I, I, believe me, I, I see both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. I see both sides of the coin. I, I definitely see the fan side uh, of being upset at him for leaving the way he left and for things going to where he went. But I also see his side from just a professional side of doing what he felt like was best for him and his family. Definitely. Um, let me get a prediction from you. Two years from now, we'll be starting the, the regular season of the 2020-2021 NBA season. Uh, will Kevin Durant still be wearing a Golden State jersey then? I think so. Oh, interesting. I, I know I a lot of people think opposite. I, I don't if, – if he's not – honestly, I don't think if, – if he's not wearing a Golden State jersey, I think he's wearing an Oklahoma City jersey. Wow. Wow. Wow, yeah. I do. Because so, I don't you – don't, you don't go from – you don't go from Golden State to, to New York. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? You don't go from the top to the bottom. You know, that's something. That's not something you do. Right. And similar to what LeBron James did in in Miami, where he won in Miami and then he went back to Cleveland after he won two in Miami and then went back to Cleveland and then won one in Cleveland and it just just the difference of winning that one in Cleveland and what that did for him and like isn't it weird how LeBron just left him with the L.A. and wasn't nobody tripping no more? Yep, because right. they got the ring. Because they got the ring. They yep. got the ring. You know what I mean? So it, it, for me, I feel like if Kevin Durant is not wearing the Golden State jersey, he's wearing the Oklahoma City jersey. He he lost that title of villain once he won one for Cleveland. For sure. Yep. For sure. And I, it, as much as vilified as Kevin Durant is, if he ever came back to oh. Oklahoma City and led Oklahoma City to a championship, oh, totally different story. Watch yep. everybody get amnesia. Yep. He's yep. a hero again. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yep. buddy. Exactly. He would forget everything. Exactly. What do you got next on around the association? Come here. Just so, as soon as Kevin Durant leaves, people talk about Russell Westbrook being the bad guy, and then same thing. That's oh, nonsense. Look, Kevin Durant leaves, and look, look, he's having fun. He's playing defense. Victor Oladipo, of course, is traded, and look at this guy. He's uh, he's putting up twenty four points a game. He's he's an all star in the East, and then Colin Cowherd, you know, folks like that guy. They bring up stuff and they they vilify Russ. They make him out to be the bad guy. And what are your what are your thoughts on this? Like that Russ is always the bad guy to a media you know, narrative. When I when I went on with Colin, this this is one of the things I told him. Russ was in a no win situation as far as the media was concerned. Anyway, the national media, because if Paul George left, then they would have killed Russ. And if Paul George stayed been able to kill Paul George. Russ wasn't getting no credit no way. Yep. He wasn't getting credit for nothing unless Paul George left. So what I told Colin was, if you're going to kill Russell Westbrook and Paul George leave, you need to give him that same amount of praise for Paul George staying. Because there's something to be said for their relationship. You know, and I, I'm not with the whole, you know, oh, you know, Russ is, listen to Victor Oladipo talk. Listen to him talk. Listen who he gives credit to for his work ethic and who he saw what he saw from Russell Westbrook. There's a reason Victor Oladipo made that jump from being that 16 point per game scorer and then going to Indiana with a different sort of confidence. This is, these are not my words, these are his words. Right. These are his words. It's because he got an opportunity to watch, practice, and play with Russell Westbrook. But don't nobody want to give him Russ credit for that though. Yep. No one wants to, wants to give him credit for that. Well, they didn't even want to give him credit for his triple-double. They all wanted Harden to win. Arbitrary yeah, numbers, right? Know, yeah, arbitrary numbers. Know, yeah, everything's, Everything's arbitrary. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, old Russ is stat padding. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but isn't that the purpose of sports? 
Don't you need to best. get points? Right. Get, right. It, like, I think that's kind game, of important. Every game I play in, I want to get as many points, rebounds, assists, and steals as I possibly can. And rebounds and assists lead to points. Right. Like, and, and that's what people don't understand. When your point guard is your best rebounder, it speeds up your offense. Yep. So now if you're Steven Adams and you get the rebound, you don't have to take two, three, four seconds off the shot clock turning to look for Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook is starting to break himself. Yep. You know, so, so it, it's – you know, there are certain guys, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of the way that they interact with the media and they've made a couple um, enemies, I guess, within the media that don't, whatever it may be, that don't want to give guys credit for anything. But I'll tell you what, anybody that has played this game and legitimately played this game at a high level know how difficult it is to average a triple-double for two straight seasons against the best in the world. And, and they tried staying, saying stat padding because he had 20 rebounds in that last game. Go tell your center to go get 20 rebounds this game. It's yeah, easier said than done. It is. Like, yeah, well, everybody's getting – stop it. Stop it. And if it's, if it's that easy to do, you know, oh, well, triple doubles are easier to get today than any other time. Why is no one else doing it? Yeah. Why hasn't it been done? Why is no one else doing it? I, I hate when people say stuff like, man, well, you know what, man, LeBron can average a triple double if he want to. You don't think he wants to? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? That's like saying, man, I go win a championship if I want to. I just don't feel like it today. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't want to. No, guys want to. It's not an easy thing to do. When you're playing against guys that are this strong, this fast, this athletic, and this smart, it is not easy to go out there night in and night out. And I'm not talking about a 10-10, 9.9 triple-double. I'm talking about a 20, 12, and 11, 13 yeah. triple-double. That is not easy to do. Or a 43-point, right. 10 rebounds, 11 right. assists. I mean, it's just incredible. Awesome. So, you guys want to move on to some Twitter questions real quick? Yeah, I was going to say this. we got a few of them that will that we'll fire through real quick. Yeah, uh, we, we don't want to keep Antonio all night. He's giving us some incredible content, but uh, we got to get him out of here. So we thought we'd <laughs> try and fire through these. So uh, the first one we have is a, a follower of ours, at Drinking Tea, and he's contributed with a lot of Twitter questions in the past. Uh, a question he had for you, Antonio, is how hard is it truthfully with NBA travel and being on the road? And I think we kind of talked about this a little bit with you concerning your family and stuff mm-hmm. uh, before we start recording. Um, well, it's something you become accustomed to. You know, I mean, don't don't get it wrong. I mean, don't don't get it twisted. It, it's a very blessed life. You know, you're not flying on Southwest. You know, you're, you're flying on planes with lazy boys and TVs and video games and steak dinners and snacks and everything. You know. Um, Something but nicer th- than my house, man. Right. So, so, so the, the time change, it, it, it gets you. The time change, it'll, it'll kind of get you here and there. But um, overall, it, it, it is a blessed, it is a truly, truly blessed life. I, I'm not going to sit here and talk about it like it's, you know, it's the hardest thing in the world. And sometimes you get off that plane and you just don't have the energy, but you got to find it from somewhere. No. Listen, you're on that plane and you sleep in a, in a lazy boy chair like you're in your living room. You know, you're watching film or you're watching whatever, and, you know, you have five-star dinners, and, you know, it, it's a very, very blessed life. Very nice. So uh, next we have a follower of ours who also sends in quite a few questions. Is a really cool guy. Uh, Clark Matthews asks, did the Clippers' handling of Bruce Bowen make you, yourself, Antonio, like rethink the way that you handle post-game commentary after bad losses or, or anything like that? No. Good. No, yeah. no, no. No, not at all. You know, I, I approach my job um, – a particular way and I'm not talking about just with Fox whether it's um, I'm on with Fox I'm on with NBA radio and on with NBA TV I'm on with FS1 regardless I will never say anything about a player in 
organization, a coach that I would not mind being said about me if I was in that locker room. That, that's the way I approach my job. I, I'm not going to go out there, you know, and, and attack guys. And that's what people expect you to do. You know, there's a way to go about getting your point across without going too far. You know, because the fact of the matter is, you know, you still have a relationship with these guys. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to go out there and dog a guy because he played bad one night. You know, because he had a bad game here and he had a bad game. We all have bad games here. We all have bad games here. That, that's, that, that's life. My job is to analyze the game and to talk about what I see. I can't cover that up. But there's a way to politically go about it the right way, though. Right. And I think that kind of separates you from a lot of other analysts, and that's why so many respect you um, from all over. Yeah, I think um, people it's, it's how you handle yourself. I think like people that. love the uh, the content that you put out because it's not the the sugar coated. I'm not a hot take guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say what I see. Fans yeah. aren't dumb. That's the thing about it. Like like fan, fans aren't fans aren't dumb. We're all watching the same thing. We are all watching the same exact game. It's not like I'm watching the different game than what you all are watching. We are yeah. all watching the same thing. We may see it from different eyes but we're all watching the same thing. So if something is going on and I'm just completely sugarcoating it and just completely disregarding the fact that something else happened, as a fan, that upsets you. I, I get it, but there's a way that we have to do our jobs as well too, though. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, I'll, I'll give you two more and then we'll get out of here. But the the first of those two is from Sal Monilla. He asked, what's one thing in today's NBA? Wait, wait, wait what was it? Sal, Sal Mo M O E Nilla N I L L A. It's a play I, on words of. Uh, I, yeah, I won't <laughs> ask. I won't ask. But go ahead. <laughs> we didn't either. Right, the first time he sent us a question, we got a pretty good laugh out of the out of the yeah. Twitter handle. <laughs> these guys are getting creative these days. Um, but but he asked, what's one thing that you do wish was around when you played? An example he gave was like social media or rule changes, and we actually touched on social media with you earlier. Um, and, and some of the rule changes as far as defense. Is I, 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 I was so. the I was sure. the rule changes were. I was the rule changes. Well, I remember one of my first games in the league, Derek Harper had his hand on my hip while I was dribbling the ball everywhere I went. So he was basically, and he was, at the time, he was a veteran we call old man strength. So he was really strong. So he was basically guiding me wherever he wanted me to go. Yeah, I wish that I came in the league where nobody was allowed to touch you. That changes things. Sounds like the way I yeah. You know what I mean? That, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. Where I could just put my hand Pick on up. somebody's hip and yeah. just take them wherever I want yeah. to take them? Yeah. No, no, I, I wish the rule changes were a little bit different. And the illegal defense. Illegal defense was completely different back then. I'm talking about, like, I, that was crazy. the era where you couldn't play zone, right? You couldn't play zone, but it was even a step further than that, where if there was a guy above the hash, you had to be above the hash. You know how yeah. high up the hash is? Yeah. So guys used to go above the hash, and this guy guarding him had to get above the hash. So it's almost like playing four on four, four, on four yeah. or three on three. Which smaller numbers opens up more lanes. Exactly. So imagine no help defense. guarding the Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Imagine guarding a Michael Jordan. You know, with no help. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Well, and then, yeah, flip that it on the be, head. It would be great to play a zone. Imagine, yeah. you know, Russell Westbrook only having to play a four-on-four half-court set. Exactly. That's that's to exactly. the rim all day, every day. Yep. Very true. So, finally, we have a uh, follow of ours, at Chris P. Parrish. As, uh, what's your opinion on adding Monta Ellis to the Thunder? There's those rumors that dropped here over the past week that he's been OKC working out. And then who would you like to see on the topic of a shooting guard um, at the two until Dre gets back fully healthy? I don't know. That, that, that's a hard, that's a hard, um, like, as far as that, like, I would ask the question back. Does, you mean somebody that's currently on the roster now? Yeah. Correct. Yes. Like, who, who do you think's primed to, like, take that step up? I, I think it depends on, it depends on the night. It depends on the matchup. 
because you can you can go with Alex Abrines or you can go with the Terrence Ferguson, you know, for experience purposes. Or if Russell Westbrook is back, you can even go with Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, it's a good you know? point. So, it, like I said, now you have you have so much versatility of different ways that you can go. Um, and if you're a coach, you can never have too many options. You can never have too many options. And Billy Donovan has a lot of options right now, different ways that he can go. As far as Monte Ellis goes, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the thing is, the Thunder are kind of guard heavy. Yeah, right. they've revamped heavy. the roster. they got a lot of wings now. Right. You know, they're kind of they're wing heavy. And, I mean, honestly, you have different guys that you can plug in at different positions depending on the night. Patrick Patterson can play the four to five. Jeremy Grant can play the three to four to five. So you have a different – different ways and different positions you can go but um talent is talent and i don't know i haven't seen monte ellis play in a couple years though yeah so i don't know what he's what he's like now yeah what what does he have left in the tank right you know i mean hell just thinking about it right now it wouldn't surprise me at all to see billy don roll out raymond felton at the two right with russ because they played plenty on this right together at the end last season or even shooter and uh, and on on the bench yeah Yeah. yeah, true, true that would surprise me at all have that second ball handler again, kind of what we talked about, you know, being more versatile as far as having more people that can play make on right. the court. And, and, and just understanding the staggering of minutes. That's one of the things Mike D'Antoni was really good at in Houston. It's just staggering James Harden and Chris Paul. Yep. Where James Harden Chris Paul would come out at six minutes, James Harden would play the entire first quarter, and then start the second quarter, it would be Chris Paul's team. Yeah. So just, just staggering minutes and giving guys the minute for them to be the stars that they are. For sure. All right, well, we're at about a minute 25, so we're probably about hour to wrap 25. this up. Yeah, minute 25. <laughs> we've only been podcasting a minute and 25 seconds, guys. Sorry, hour and 25. Um, but, but before we get out of here, Antonio, we have a, uh, a gift we would like to impart on you. Uh, Taylor, you got it right here. Um, our, one of our buddies that, um, that is kind of collaborating with, with us this season um, helped us put together a little gift to thank you for coming on the pod, so we hope you enjoy it. We're going to unveil it to you live so we get your uh, your initial reaction. So Taylor can unfold the shirt. Oh, that's cool, man. That is awesome. Our bu- who, who made that? Our buddy, his name is Andrew. He he runs a screen printing shop. And he's starting a Thunderline called Motoko, which is the name of his grandmother. She was a uh, a Japanese war bride, World War II, and so he's starting a uh, a Thunder T-shirt line. And um, and so we, we collaborated with him a bit. He's got a lot of cool shirts that are going to come out this season. Um, but we asked if we could uh, work with him to make an Antonio Daniel shirt for you. So If he's listening, can you ask him to make me a large? Yes. <laughs> this is a nice shirt. Yeah, no, he, he's incredible at what he does. So we, uh, we, we kind of gave him what he wanted. Does he what have a we Twitter wanted. handle? Yes. Yep. Uh, it's at Passive Juice. P-A-S-S-I-V. J U I C E passive so, juice. So he had he tweets out some designs sometimes. He likes to try and tag a lot of people, and uh, he's tagged you before. And he said you actually have retweeted one of his uh, Dre Andre Robertson designs. Um, so I think you've actually seen some of his work before without knowing it. This is nice. He's a cool guy, man. So we uh, and so it, obviously you did us a big favor by coming on the podcast. But uh, we have one more oh, favor I to do, ask. Yeah, I do know. That. Um, his daughter, Andrew's uh-huh. daughter, created something for Leslie. She is a I, huge I just, Leslie yeah, fan. I, I'll see her tomorrow <laughs> at media day. And he would love if you were able to pass it on I, to I, her. Will, I will give this to her tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you so much. That, that I know that means a lot awesome. to him. Isn't that, that cool? Is awesome. That's really yes, special. It is. Really special. Tell Stephen Adams I love him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, I will, I will give this to Leslie tomorrow. 
thank you guys, man. Yeah, Thanks hey, well, thank you me. for coming on. We really appreciate you, man, taking time out of your day. We know you're, uh, you know, away from the family right now, but we appreciate you coming out and hanging out with us. So. So, hey, thank you guys for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, uh, hit up iTunes. Drop us a five-star review, a rating. Um, download us wherever you download your podcast at. Check out the website, theuncontestedsports.com. Hey, check out Antonio Daniels. He's going to be working media day on Monday for NBA TV. So all the Thunder coverage you want from media day, he's going to be covering training camp throughout the week. So anything that you're looking for, AD is the man to go to. He's got you covered. Um basketball's here we are excited we will have more content coming your guys way as we get through this week and into preseason so hey as always thunder up thunder up everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.